Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson. Welcome to the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. Well, this is our first episode for the month of April 2022, which means we have new free family downloads available through our app and through our website that go along with our theme this year of restoration. So be sure to go check them out. I know they will be an encouragement to your family. Now, my guest today is Amy J. Brown, and Amy is a wife, a mom, a writer, and she's also the co-host of the Take Heart podcast. She shares honestly about her adoption story and parenting a child with reactive attachment disorder and fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Amy lives in Michigan and is married to her high school sweetheart. She's the mother of six kids who are at all different phases of life from adults to middle schoolers. And we had such a great conversation just talking about her life and sharing the different things that she has faced in her journey as an adoptive mom. We had a great conversation and I know you will love getting to know more about Amy Brown. Hey, Amy, thank you so much for joining me today for the podcast. I'm excited to get to know you better. This is the first time we've met, so I'm excited to get to hear more about you and your story. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited that we're meeting, so. Yeah, well, so I need to know more about you, and I know maybe some of our listeners are not familiar with you, so please introduce yourself to us. Okay. I'm Amy J. Brown, and I am a writer and a podcaster, but I am most importantly a mom to six Wow. Um, I have uh, three biological kids and three adopted kids. My They range in age from 29 to, I'm trying to think you're 16. So I was doing driver's training and potty training at oh the same goodness. time. <laughs> busy, busy mom, for sure. <laughs> my husband and I, we were high school sweethearts. We uh, got assigned the same fetal pig in, in anatomy class. <laughs> How funny. <laughs> So we've that's been a married. great love story right yeah. there. You know, nope, I don't think many people can compete with that no. one. So, so we uh, met in high school and got married and um, had some infertility issues and ended up having three bio kids and then decided that we wanted to add to our family. So we adopted three children, um, two domestically. We have two daughters that are adopted from America. They're we're transracial adoptee parents. They're black, and then we adopted. Um, our son from Bulgaria. And um, we became special needs parents unbeknownst. We were going to be special mm, needs parents yeah. because when you adopt, you fill out this huge form, like what will you accept? What will you mm-hmm. take? It's a really hard form to fill out. And in my, um, in our checking of that form, we thought, I don't know for which everyone can laugh right now. I don't know if we're equipped to be special needs mm, parents. So yeah, yeah. we didn't really pick anything that we were willing to take. One thing I know specifically, I said I wasn't willing to take was fetal alcohol because I kind of knew what that was. Um, so we have a child, one child with fetal alcohol and attachment disorder. And then our son, who we adopted later, he was physically handicapped. We knew that going in. Mm. Um, it's arthrogryposis. He's hearing deficit. Yeah. The big issue really is he also had attachment disorder because we adopted him at age 10. So we um, we came into the special needs 
I think everybody does, right? But I just remember feeling they cleaned that form and thinking, I don't think I could handle mm-hmm. this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but God knew differently, and right. you know, and so I so said you had this unexpected journey that you were not mm-hmm. planning, and you didn't, right. you know, you didn't know that that was going to be your story. But and I know that you write on your website. You have a website that we'll be sure mm-hmm. to include the link in the show note. But that you openly share about your adoption story. And as you kind of mm-hmm. shared there, it, it has not been an easy journey. It doesn't mm-hmm. sound like. So tell us what that has looked like over the years for you and kind of how, how you started discovering, okay, this is not what we signed up for, you know, right. what you were thinking. Well, I think to start with adoption is wonderful. And I went in with an idea um, that no matter what, that we were going to love them enough and everything would be okay. Um, So that was my first unrealistic expectation. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I had no awareness of the trauma that comes with adoption. Mm -hmm. Now, I do think that there's a lot more information about that now, but um, I just had no concept of that going in. So as we go into adopt, we adopted our daughter first and she was our first adopted child and she was different, but not anything major. Now, was I mean, she, how old was she when you adopted her? Was she an infant or was she, she was older? an infant? So at the time of the adoption, uh, birth, uh, the information we got from the lawyer was no drug or alcohol exposure, which was not the case. Mm-hmm. We found out later, much later. So my first inkling, she just was different, wired differently, but I just assumed, well, she's a different, you know, she's not our genetic, she's a different, she's a different kid. Um, I've told the story before that she had a seizure at age four mm. and I went into the ER. My husband was with her and I was somewhere else and I rushed over and the nurse said to me, pick her up and hold her like she likes to be held. And I stood there like dumbfounded, like, oh my gosh, I don't know how she likes to be held. Mm. And immediately shame washed over me. Like, mm. what kind of mom am I that I don't know this? Yeah. And I didn't know at the time that she didn't like to be, I mean, she was the fourth kid, you know? So I just assumed maybe other people are, it just never Mm -hmm. entered my mind. Yeah. It wasn't like she was pushing us away in a really obvious way. She just never liked to be held. Mm -hmm. And then like a couple of weeks later, I happened to notice we had uh, an acquaintance come to the house and our daughter you know how like toddlers will just like cling onto their mom, like like a koala bear kind of feel. Right. I saw her walk up to this stranger to her and lift her arms up. And this woman picked her up and she melted, melted into this woman. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, she's never done that to me. Mm. And that was kind of like the first inclination that something was wrong. But I assumed immediately something was wrong with me. Mm. Like, oh, I'm just, maybe there's, I'm not loving her enough. Yeah. Maybe I'm not doing the right thing mm-hmm. as a mom. So as, and I had no idea that a kid could have attachment disorder from birth. I, I understood that that's a real possibility mm-hmm. with a kid that's been in an orphanage, right. like our son who had had nobody hold him for 10 right. years. I get wow. that. But I didn't understand the, um, the trauma that happens when babies are inside their moms. I just did had, I had no concept of that. Yeah. So we continued on, um, she had some learning disabilities, but still I kept thinking, okay, 
all this and some behavioral stuff. And I kept thinking, okay, well, we can fix this. I just need to try harder or yeah, whatever. If but, I just do the right thing. If I just right. hold her, just, yeah, find the right therapy, all the things. Find yeah. the right therapy, um, try harder, yeah, um, love her more. Mm-hmm. Um, and the behavior just escalated and escalated um, to the point that we were living with alarms doors locked she it's it's i don't know if if your listeners if people understand that a, a lot of times with reactive attachment disorder and it took us a while to get there it took us a while to get the diagnosis mm-hmm. it's a long winding path because with those kinds of mental health and behavioral things there's a garbage bag of all kinds of things you can pull out and mm-hmm. go here's what it may be but um we were to the point where we were having you know like i said all kinds of behavioral issues. And I guess what I was going to say is that a lot of times kids with attachment disorder, their anger and their behavior is toward the nurturing caregiver, mm-hmm. which is the mother. Wow. So she could rage and, you know, if the, and want to kill me and scream and, and then turn on a dime for her dad, because that's how attachment disorder displays, or they can be just angels for grandma. And then come home and just really be violent to the nurturing caregiver, which yeah. often leads to that mom feeling like she's crazy. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, what does that do to your mama's heart when you're, you know, when you're trying so hard to love this child and yet that happens? What did, what did that do to your mama's heart? It's heartbreaking. Um, I've talked to lots of moms who just feel like, what is wrong with me? Why, why can I, why can I not be loved? What am I doing Mm. wrong now for me? I have other kids that I have a healthy attachment with. Mm -hmm. So I know what that feels like. And even then I thought it was my fault. And my friends would go, look at your other kids. Look how well you attach. I just kept thinking there's a key. And when I find it, it's going to fit in her lock (laughs) and it's going to change everything. And then it's going to be like the other kids. So it is, it's very um, isolating. It's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. It is a true um, exercise in loving um, when it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people may not be that familiar with um, reactive attachment disorder. And so how did that kind of, you know, you talked about the behaviors and you've shared about that, but if you're just looking kind of at the textbook definition of what that is, what, what exactly is that? And again, you said it, you know, most of the time we think about it when it comes with adopting children who are older, maybe been in an orphanage, but that that's not necessarily the case. So what are some of the signs that, that maybe that others may see in children who are impacted by this? Well, that's kind of a tricky question because a lot of times these kids can be behave quite well for for strangers. Mm. They are afraid of attachment because they've been um, they've had trauma around attachment. Um, but like you said, most of the time you think of it as kids that have been in orphanages. But if you think about a baby being knows her mother's voice for nine months. Mm-hmm. And then abruptly that child is taken from the, the womb that she knows. Mm. And when I first started reading about that, I thought, really? <laughs> like they remember right. when they're that, but studies have shown that taking a child from that womb and voice that they know 
is traumatic. Mm-hmm. So a, so to answer your question, a lot of times these kids have violent, they can have violent behavior. They often um, can lie, steal. Um, they don't, it's almost like they don't have great executive functioning. They don't exactly know, um, learn from their mistakes. They can steal and then turn around and do it again the next day. Um, and, and you, and you couple that with our daughter has fetal alcohol. Mm, so yeah. one of the things about fetal alcohol is our, uh, our doctor told us it's like Swiss cheese brain. There are parts of her brain that will never grow back. So you, you put those two together and what, what exhibited in our house yeah. is a very violent child, mm. um, that just would not, um, accept any kind of healthy, healthy bonds. Not just for me. I mean, even from my older children, mm-hmm. um, older than her. Yeah. Um, so it, what makes it tricky is the behavior is off-putting in school in different places. And you always are being judged by your mm-hmm. parenting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was actually one of the one of the questions, one of the things I wanted to talk about was I know, you know, like for those who know my son, it's very obvious that my son has special needs. We get, mm-hmm. when we were out in the community, yes, when he's rocking and making his noises, people stare. I'm used to that, kind of. <laughs> you still, you still right. aren't. <laughs> but I get lots of grace as well. Right. And our friends who have children who have hidden disabilities or mm-hmm. behavior issues, they do not get that same right. grace. So what have been some of the reactions that you have received just out in the community, either in positive ways or in really hurtful ways? Well, it's interesting you say that because my son, who we adopted from Bulgaria, is attachment disorder, but he also is physically disabled. So the difference between how we are approached with those two have been night and day, mm-hmm. even at school with IEPs and everything. Um, a lot of times, the I remember the first time we went in with the teacher and I had documented behavior, I had brought in all my paperwork. And the first question was, what's going on at home? Uh, uh-uh. judgment. Yeah. Right. Judgment. Um, I, I, those, those I kind of expect, I think the hard ones are from people that are close to you mm-hmm. yeah. that just don't see it because they don't live in your house. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kid and kids with detachment disorder can sometimes control it for a short amount of time. Um, I remember one time sitting down with a friend and she said, I, I just don't believe it because I haven't seen it. And then I just really think what she needs is more attention. I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) are you kidding me? (laughs) She's getting every bit of attention and then some. Um, So anyway, there's a lot of judgment, obviously, Mm -hmm. in the, in public, um, Mm -hmm. because your kid can at times be out of control. And one of the things I think is heartbreaking is the moms out there that have this kind of, um, difficulty with their children that don't feel like they can go to church anymore. Mm, yeah. Because yeah. a behavior and I get yeah. it. You don't want your little four-year-old to be in a class with a violent four-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get that. I understand that from other parents, but it just is so isolating when it's behavioral. Yeah. Yeah. And people just don't understand. And so how have people come alongside you and helped you? And and have you found a solution for being able to go to church and be in community? Well, I think initially 
the first piece of work that needs to be done is in your own heart as a mom. Mm. Like I said, when that, when that nurse asked me, uh, how does she like to be held? I just didn't feel guilt. I felt shame, like something's Mm -hmm. wrong with me. Right. So I had to get a little bit of a tougher skin Mm -hmm. and also be honest with people about what's going on in our family. So regardless of how I was going to be perceived, Mm -hmm. a lot of times we would have a letter that we would give at camps at Sunday schools. Um, this is the, these are the issues we're having with our child. If you have questions about our parenting, please come to us. Mm. Um, because another thing that happens, at least with our daughter, she would lie at school about things about us. Oh goodness! You know, we're not feeding yeah. her. Um, I have, you know, we have had CPS at our door, um, which is heartbreaking when you know that it's just yeah. not true. It's, and a lot of moms, um, a lot of parents do have CPS come to the door because the child will lie. Mm-hmm. But I think, Back to your question. The first thing is understanding that this is not your fault. Um, and I look at all the things I do as the, I call it the wheelchair ramp. If, if your child needed a wheelchair ramp, if your church needed a wheelchair ramp, you would have no problem saying this. I mean, it's very obvious. This right. is what's needed to get the right. child in the door. So what is my wheelchair ramp for this child? Mm. And it may be, you know what? I just want to go to church. Can, can, can once a month, somebody sit with her mm-hmm. in Sunday school so I can yeah. go to church once a month. Just, yeah. um, just those kinds of wording it in that way, mm-hmm. because there's such a shame around behavior. Like if you know a kid's lying and stealing, I mean, those are 10 commandments you're not supposed to break. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? So yeah. you're like, oh, I feel like a horrible yeah. mom. But the bottom line is she can't not do it right now yeah. until she has some help and her brain matures a little bit. Um. So I guess that would be the thing I would say mm-hmm. is work on yourself first and then just, and, and also God, I, I just ask God to go before me in conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That doesn't mean they always yeah. went well, honestly, yeah. but just because something didn't go well and somebody didn't understand, mm-hmm. I just had to keep going back because that's my wheelchair ramp. I needed to think of it in that way. Um, so that's, I love that. It's like the, it's the on-ramp of how you, how mm-hmm. you're getting, getting what you need. And, you know, I read on your website where you were talking about, um, the importance of stories and about sharing stories. And I am such a big believer in that because when I know someone's story, mm-hmm. it gives me empathy. It gives me understanding, but so often we want to hide behind. I, I can, I can imagine, um, dealing with the things that you have to deal with like you said, there's shame, there's judgment, all those things that go along with that. But I also know that, you know, being willing to share our stories and open up with, you know, like this is really what's going on as hard as it is to be that vulnerable. Doesn't it also though, open up the door for people to come into your life and be part of your story. Right. Right. And it doesn't, I think sometimes we have this idea unless somebody has my child's exact diagnosis and has my exact life, mm-hmm. they're not going to get it. But, you know, I'm part of Take Heart, which is a ministry for special needs moms. And we are all three uniquely different special needs moms. Yeah. If you would have told me several years ago, you would connect with these women who have different special needs than your child. I don't think I would have believed it because I thought, well, they're not going to understand. Mm-hmm. They may not understand my specific need, but they understand all the feelings around it. Mm-hmm. And even non-special needs yeah. parents can go, oh yeah, I know what it feels like to be embarrassed or feel shame or feel afraid. So I agree with you. I think when you connect 
in the level of a story. The problem is when the story, the story that's being told about you is not true. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to stand up and go, <laughs> now, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and the stories we tell ourselves too about, mm-hmm. I mean, that's something I struggle with. Like the story, the real that's playing in my head about what other people are thinking about me or judging me, you know, and so taking that narrative to God and going, okay, what's the real story here? You know? Right. Right. I often tell moms that that little practice I do is this is what happened. And this is the story I was telling myself. Mm -hmm. This is what I was feeling. And this is the actual truth. Yeah. And just going through that, when Mm -hmm. I overhear somebody talking about me, (laughs) which has happened a lot. Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Like, okay. This person um, yeah. doesn't really understand. And I, sometimes I don't understand, actually. Like, how can I expect someone else to understand? Right. When In times in my life, I've not understood it myself. Yeah. So. so how can, you know, if people listening, they come encounter a family like yours, that, you know, there's behavior issues. They, they know part of your story. What are practical ways that people can come alongside and be part of your story and help your family? Mm-hmm. That's a really great question. I think the first thing I would say is offering to help with the child. Mm. Because here's the deal. A lot of times kids will go with other people. Like they, they, they're charming with people they don't know that well or people that aren't the nurturing caregiver. And the mom, like I know for me, when friends would offer to take her, I would be like, oh, what if she's bad? What if she does mm-hmm. something naughty? Mm-hmm. What if she, but for the most, most of the time, that wasn't the case. Right. So not to be afraid to say, let me take your child to the park, let them play. Um, because moms that have kids with uh, reactive attachment disorder, they don't get a break. Mm-hmm. And there's two reasons for that. Number one, people don't know what to ask to help with. And number two, they're ashamed or afraid the child's going to act out, which is mm-hmm. often not the case. A lot of times the kid can hold it together for even an hour. So that would be one thing. I think the the other thing is being a friend to the mom. I know, as you know, as, as a special needs mom, we spend all our time looking for the best treatment, always trying to um, help our child. And sometimes what we need and somebody just listening to us goes by the wayside. Mm-hmm. So I have friends who are not special needs moms that I will say, We'll get together and I'll say, I don't want to talk about it at all. Please don't ask me. Not <laughs> We're not going to denial. Today. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want to. Or mm-hmm. I will call them in tears and say, I, I can't carry this one more day. Mm-hmm. Here's what here's what's on my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, there's such an aspect of loneliness with special needs yes, moms. Absolutely. That I think ways to help a family, especially with kids like mine, mm-hmm. is just to reach out and yeah. reach out. And honestly, some moms that have kids like my children they're going to have a big wall up because they've been hurt so many times by judgment. You know, you do have that play date and then your child does something not great and nobody Mm -hmm. invites you back again. That's a constant in our lives. Mm -hmm. So to have somebody go past that armor is big and it takes a committed person, but even the littlest thing sometimes is a lifesaver. And how can, you know, I was just sitting here thinking you're talking about maybe getting together uh, with other families and, you know, maybe having a play date at the park and things like that. So how can parents teach their children how to interact with children like your daughter who mm-hmm. have the behaviors? What can they tell their child to help them know how to navigate that and to be friends with children who are struggling? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I think it's 
okay to be completely honest and say that because their brain did not form, you know, it, I often say this child looks typical, but their brain didn't form. They can't make attachments. They may do have behaviors that you know aren't the right thing to do. That doesn't mean that we, um, you can come tell an adult about it, but that doesn't mean that we shun them because mm-hmm. their brains aren't formed. They've been hurt in some way. That's kind of how I explained it to mm-hmm. younger kids. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I have a very, I've always, you know, when my kids were little, I had a very high standard of, I didn't let them go off alone with other kids mm-hmm. because I knew the reality of behavior, negative behavior that could come out when parents weren't looking. But I think it's okay just to explain it like that, that they have an injury to their brain mm-hmm. and their emotions that do not allow them always to behave in a way that's positive. And, and that's so hard because, um, you know, like I said, probably with your son, people can look at your son, they see that he has special needs, but I'm sure for your daughter, you know, those, you, they know, they know when they're being rejected, they know when they're being judged. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. how to navigate that where they can have those relationships and those friendships and, uh, but in a safe environment for everybody, I know that right. that has got to be um, a struggle day in and day out. So, you know, I know you also talk about, you talked a minute ago about that mom guilt and that shame. How do we go about reframing that um, from making it so, oh, I don't know my child. I didn't do this right. I didn't do that right. How can we reframe that into something positive? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, for adoptive parents, I think going into adoption with a little bit more information that this is a possibility is huge. Like I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, first of all, going into adoption, knowing this, this could be a possibility. It's not a possibility. It's not for everybody, but there is a wound with adoption. Even if you get them when they're three days, three days Mm -hmm. old or whatever. Um, But it goes back to what we talked about. It's reframing our story in light of God's story. I think all the times that I have looked back on painful memories and thought I could have done better. I've had to really give those to God. And, mm-hmm. and it's not like a magic wand. It's not like I could say, okay, these things happened and I didn't understand. And now I don't feel guilty. No, it's a lifelong process right. of reshaping that story. Mm-hmm. And one of the, um, one of the practices that I have is when I'm feeling guilty or looking at a situation and thinking, what could I have done differently? My tendency is to just blame myself without, mm-hmm. without really yeah. giving it much more thought. So I often will say, God, what do I need to know? What do you want me to hold about this? And if there's something that I was wrong in, please show me, but if not, help me to let it go. Mm-hmm. And reframing that narrative again and again in God's narrative. And if I, and if I am at fault, which I probably am for some things, I'm not mm-hmm. a perfect parent. That's okay too, because God has all of this in his hands. Mm-hmm. I think I've been thinking about this a lot lately that one of the things that really helps me is to can life did not look like I expected. And I will never this side of heaven. I don't think have a close relationship with a child that will not attach to me. But another thing that helps me with that feeling of guilt and shame is realizing this God's put this in my life and that there is hope along the way. Like Mm -hmm. there's small bits of love and that grows even in the midst of what you think 
what you wish was there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So for me, I think the expectation was so high that if I just do the right thing, it'll be, this relationship will be like it is with my fully attached kids. And mm-hmm. to let go of that has really helped me let go of the guilt. Like it's not going to look like the other kids. Um, I wouldn't expect um, a child in a wheelchair to hike up the top of a mountain mm-hmm. like I can with my other kids, right? right? I wouldn't go on a family hike. So I've had to look at it through those lens. Mm-hmm. That she's not going to attach to me or have these warm mom-daughter relationship mm-hmm. and that's okay. And that's helped me take myself off the hook a little bit, mm-hmm. I think. That's good. And giving yourself the grace, you know, mm-hmm. we, we offer grace to other people, but then giving yourself the grace, you know, as well is so hard. And that kind of goes right into the, the other thing I want to talk about. And that's, you know, you learning how to care for ourselves as moms and we give out so much. And, and especially when you have children with behavior issues and you don't have the help maybe that can come in and, and give you the support that maybe you need. Mm-hmm. How have you found ways to kind of care for yourself in the midst of all the chaos maybe in your home? Well, that has been kind of a lifelong journey for me. I actually have on my website, I have a thing called seven steps to help you breathe. I think we have limiting behaviors about, you know, we see people that are out with coffee with friends or on a weekend Mm -hmm. at the beach. You're like, okay, I can't even. (laughs) Who gets to do that? Who gets to do that? So I think in some ways, like we look at and um, I had to realize that, you know, like when you go into for um, your parents that have kids in school, when you get an IEP um, at school, it has to be adapted to what you can do. So I, Mm -hmm. I started to pay attention to what are the things that really make my soul lift? Um, and then adapting those to my life. So for example, I'm a girl that loves to be outside. I don't even care if it's looking at the moon for 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. that makes my soul lift. Yeah. I've incorporated small bits of that into my life. Um, I need my sleep. I know that about myself. So I'm not going to power through that. I'm going to try to get my sleep. So those kinds of things of just trying to figure out what it is that's very unique to me. You know, I can't go to exercise class five days. Like, you know, there's certain things I can't do that other moms can do. What is very unique to me? What's going to give me the most bang for my buck, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so that starts with paying attention. And honestly, back to reframing your story, that also starts with paying attention. Mm -hmm. Start to pay attention to the narrative you have. Yes. Your thoughts how they're different from what God says about mm-hmm. you, but back to self-care, just start paying attention. You know, I'm always tired. Like it took me a long time. I'm such an introvert. And before that was like a thing that everyone knew what they mm-hmm. were. <laughs> I would be like, why am I so tired when this mm-hmm. happens? So paying attention to the kinds of how God uniquely made you and how it uniquely fits into your life, because we all can find the time to do something for ourselves. I think part of it is we don't want to give ourselves permission. I could tell you all day long, you just need to take a break, but I w- it would be harder for me to do that for myself. Mm-hmm. So that kind of thinking, I think for me, just finding the unique ways that make your soul mm-hmm. lift and then finding the pockets of time you can do them and they don't have to be big, long things. They can be short. Yeah. And I think we are so used to comparing our lives to what we see on social media. And like you said, mm-hmm. like the big trips and going to the spa and doing mm-hmm. all that. That's not our story. And as long as we continue to compare our lives to that narrative, we're going to be in the pit 
over and over and over again. And so I think like what you were saying, it's finding for you, like going out and looking at the moon for 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe going on a walk, even if it's around your house, whatever it is um, for you, for that, even if it's just for a moment to help reset and reframe those thoughts. And I think that's a great, great concept. So what are some of the other, it's a seven steps to help you breathe. What does that look like? That looks like, first of all, um, and people start, can download that from yes, your website. It's a free download. Yes. Um, first of all, it's, you, you got to let go of your limiting beliefs. Um, that's the first thing, mm-hmm. which is, I don't have time, blah, blah, right. you know, <laughs> the story the you're telling yourself that right. you can't. Yeah. The excuses. The second one is rest. Okay. Until you get some, some kind of rest, I don't care what the world <laughs> offers you. If you're why you just won the lottery. I don't care. I'm tired. You know, like mm-hmm. you got to get rest first. <laughs> And then you need to evaluate your life. Um, and then you need to f- adapt it to your life. Like evaluate the things that make you light up, the things that are soul draining, because that's another thing. Um, you may be doing something that absolutely exhausts you that you don't need to be doing until mm-hmm. you start paying attention to that. And then you kind of evaluate um, and adapt it to your life. And then the next step is, is telling your story. And that's part of it. Mm. Working through all that and then saying, having somebody you can tell your truth to. Mm-hmm. This is my story. I am tired. I feel shame. I don't know. I'm f- terrified of what this child's going to do as an adult. All those things that you keep in, that's part that kind of hinders that rest because we're holding something we're not mm-hmm. supposed to hold. Yeah. So whether you tell that to God or to your pastor or to a dear friend, being able to tell the absolute truth of your life. Now, obviously you can't tell it to everybody. I because going to say, yeah, protect you your story. Every- right, right, right. But just being able to say out loud, this is what's happening, mm-hmm. immediately gives you space to breathe. Mm-hmm. And then you need to get help. And I yeah. know people don't like to get help and they're afraid to get help. I just had mm-hmm. someone tell me a while back, she got, um, she hired a babysitter to take her kids to physical therapy. And I thought, she goes, I don't need to be there. I thought, well, that was really smart. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not yeah. getting in the car. Not everybody can afford that, but asking for help. Mm-hmm. And then my final E in breathe is enjoy. Do what you enjoy. Sometimes my self-care can be so stinking intentional. Like, okay, I'm going to go out and run or do this thing because it's going to serve. It's going to make me heart healthy. And it's Mm going to do all these other things. But sometimes just doing something you really enjoy is just the breath that you need to make it to the the next day. And I I feel like those all those things are little sips of grace. We Mm -hmm. can't drink... You know, sometimes we can't have this whole big thing, but just little bits of it mm-hmm. has helped me to um, to make it each day. To scatter this crazy those life. goodness, yeah, those goodness right. things scattered throughout your day. I mean, right. honestly, for me, some days I had a situation yesterday that was just causing more anxiety than normal in my life. I caught myself just taking deep breaths all day mm-hmm. long. You know, I was just I didn't even really realize I was doing it, but for me, just that deep breath in was it was like helping to reset me and you know to reframe what was going on around me and again it's finding out what's going to work for me is going to be different right. maybe than what's going to work for you but to think that you know every week yes we're going to go to the gym and we're going to get you know have our mm-hmm. you know get to go get our nails done or whatever some people can and that's right that is great but that's not the the life that some of us are going to get to have and so you've got to find what works for you and then be willing to let go of whatever it is the world tell is telling you that is going to be soul care. Cause it's really probably not anyway, whatever the world has to offer is not going right. to be that deep healing 
And I would say also that we would fight like tooth and nail to get our kids what they need, but we don't do that for Mm -hmm. ourselves. We don't Mm -hmm. mother ourselves. Yeah. And um, I think that we do ourselves and even our families at a service if you're always exhausted and stressed. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, but I think there's a, a narrative that maybe it's selfish to take care of myself or, uh, I don't need that because I'm supposed to be tough and handle mm-hmm. it. And it doesn't help when everyone's like, oh, you're so tough. Oh, you just handle things. <laughs> yeah. like, like, really you really have no me. clue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, when, when people see your family out and about in your community and around where you live and, and your family interacts with you, extended family, what do you hope that they see about your family? Well, in a perfect world, <laughs> I would hope that they would look past their different races because we're kind mm-hmm. of a, <laughs> um, and the behavior and see a family that loves each other. Mm-hmm. Because even though it doesn't look like what I thought love would look like, it still is love. Yeah. I also hope that they would have some grace for behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really heartbreaking to watch. Uh, kids who can't attach and have relationship. I, I was just telling somebody a few years ago, we had gone to, um, I have adult kids. So my kids, some kids that live in Chicago. So I planned this Chicago weekend, um, for Christmas, we're going to see the lights. And we took our kid, our son that has attachment disorder. And I kind of planned the whole weekend around okay, times of break and this and that thinking it would adapt to him. And it was just a disaster. Mm-hmm. He just did the opposite. And it just made everything hard. And I was so mad, actually. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then I got home and talked to the therapist. And, and she said, he can't do that. He, he, he sees attachment and can't do it. Mm. And that's what makes it hard um, for him. And that little insight, mm-hmm. he says, you guys are too much for him. And I thought, well, I a lot of times think he's too much for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, it's yeah. the opposite way, yeah. too, that he sometimes doesn't know what he's missing because of he doesn't have that. Um, it doesn't seem like he has that need, mm-hmm. but he also can't do it. And we're, we're created for attachment. So to see healthy bonds and not be able to understand it or know how to do it, it results in behavior. Yeah. So that little insight, which most people wouldn't have and I didn't have, I think that's what I would want people to understand is that they, it's, it's not like they're intentionally being naughty. They just don't know how to do what we are all wired to do and need to do, which is really sad. Well, Mm -hmm. and if we could just all give each other grace, Mm -hmm. you know, when, when we see a family out who's struggling with their child to not automatically think, okay, they're just not disciplining that child or to have the grace to go, you know, there's maybe what if there's something else going on again, the power of learning people's story. Not that you can do that with the person in the grocery store, but you know what I'm saying? To to be able to be vulnerable and for people to get to hear our story, to know um, how they can come alongside us. And uh, I know that there's, it's got to be so frustrating and challenging, but I can imagine that in those moments where there is a connection, where there Mm -hmm. maybe is that brief spark of that connection, that it must be very life-giving for you Mm -hmm. as a mom. It is. And also talking about people knowing your story, just letting your friends know your story mm-hmm. kind of spreads the word. And so to mm, speak, um, yeah. I, every friend I know says, and my, and my adult kids say, we never judge anybody. 
So you just don't know. Maybe the lady at the grocery store doesn't know your story, mm-hmm. but if your friends know your story, they're telling other people about it. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're they're ex- they're extending grace, and that yeah. just is going to grow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's um. I was just, we just interviewed um, siblings on our podcast and I talked to my, actually today's her birthday. She's going to be 27. Oh, can't believe. Wow. And she said, you know, I, I don't judge people out in public because I know the reality mm-hmm. of yeah. what may be going on behind. So yeah, that's, I'm, I'm glad of that. I mean, obviously she lived it with us, but, right. um, but yeah, it is. I success and heart connection with these children looks so different than our other kids. Mm-hmm. So for me to say, okay, this was a day where there wasn't raging or there wasn't, mm-hmm. um, there wasn't um, anger or mm-hmm. this child was able to, now my kids are older now, but these kids, this child was able on this day not to rant or right. have fun at the family outing mm-hmm. um, was, are the, are the kinds of things that you need to go, okay, thank you, Lord, for that. Yeah, that's a win. That's a big yeah, win. Yeah, because if right you're there. always looking at what's not there, uh-huh. you're just always going to be in a state of yep. disappointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, our theme this year at Rising Above is restoration. And we are looking at ways that we're allowing God to bring restoration into our life. So we're asking all our all of our guests, what are things you're currently doing right now that is bringing restoration into your heart, into your soul? with all the chaos in your life and in the world around you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing I would say is that I, you know, in the last two years with COVID and also the life of a special needs parent and being an introvert, I tend to circle my wagons a bit Mm -hmm. and um, just kind of go off my own. So connecting with other people has been a way that I have felt restored, even if it's not to talk about anything serious. So my connection with Carrie and Sarah, my fellow uh, podcast co-host, mm-hmm. has been vital in that, in mm-hmm. restoration of not feeling so alone. Reaching out to, and, and I, let me just say this about reaching out. Because of the nature of the life of a special needs mom, no one ever invites us anywhere because yeah, you just no. assume we're busy. Yeah. So well, yeah. I can't tell you the last time I've been invited to somebody's house. Like John Alex and I have been invited to somebody's house. It doesn't happen. Yeah. So it's easy to go, well, no one's inviting me. You are going to have to always be the inviter. Exactly. And once you deal with that, then you can start reaching out to people and going, exactly. I just need this person for coffee or just have a phone call. Mm-hmm. I forgot how restorative just someone else's voice is. Mm-hmm. Whether you're laughing about something unrelated or talking about the serious things of the heart, but I think you have to get over that that uh, hurdle that you're going to be the inviter always. It's just it's just how it is. Yeah. We have a, we most of our kids are grown, but we were a family of eight. Nobody ever wanted to invite us so anywhere, funny. and when they would, they would make enough food for thirty five people because they had no clue, no clue, yeah, how much we yeah. ate. Um, yeah, and, and so I would say that definitely um, trying to get outside for me still is mm. key. Yeah. But the other thing, I feel like God is restoring my hope. It's been a hard road in the last few years with our kids. So one of the things that I did is I went through the Psalms and every time I saw the word hope, I just put a big H by it. And mm. <laughs> going through and reading about hope has restored me a lot. Mm. Not the kind of hope that it's all going to be okay and everything's right. going to look perfect, but that I have, God gives me the hope and the grace for each mm-hmm. day. Yeah. I think those are the things that have been very restorative to me. Beautiful. And I was thinking about what you were talking about. You can't um, 
you, you have to be the one who invites in our world. Mm-hmm. That's just how it happens. And so like we have set up our home or outside to where people can come to us because mm-hmm. honestly, it's easier for people to come to us. And I think, right. again, it's, it's not allowing the story you're telling yourself, which I often do. Oh, nobody wants to come over here. Nobody, nobody wants to do this to, to no be the one step out. And, right. and you, you may be inviting somebody who, they're sitting at home going, feeling the same way you are. And then they're just waiting for that invitation to be a part of your life. So, right. And you don't know the person you invite. You don't know. They could become a huge part of your life. Mm-hmm. They could be filling the hole. And I would also say, because we always have been inviters, it doesn't have to be fancy. Honestly, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be fancy. When I, yeah. when the summer, I fill my freezer with like popsicles. <laughs> come on over come on yeah. over we're sitting yeah. outside there's yeah. a bunch of ice cream in the freezer <laughs> yes. that is it's super simple group. yeah it's about the connection it is about the connection it's not about what you're serving what you're doing it's just mm-hmm. that community and we all need to feel like we can be connected to other people we're not meant to do this life alone and so um i think those are great things you're doing to bring restoration into your life. And Amy, I just thank you so much for sharing your story. It's been a joy for me to get to visit with you today. And I just thank you for your heart and what you guys are doing through your podcast. You're part, like you mentioned, you're part of the Take Heart podcast. And I've interviewed your fellow, your co-host already. They've already been on the show. So I'm glad that we got to share part of your story today as well. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.